Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. And that's it, it's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Time down, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup. They have reached the top of the mountain. They are the Stanley Cup champs. Episode 24 of For Future Considerations. Already my favorite episode of the podcast franchise. Why is the, that? The best television show of all time, the number 24. Oh, my God. Travis Fryman of the Detroit Tigers, best, second best Tiger of all time behind Akil Badu, number 24 as well. <laughs> it's just, it's a great number. It's my lucky number. I had an old, uh, both of my email addresses I've ever had end in 24. <laughs> We're going to have a great episode tonight, boys. I can feel it. Manny Pava, John Rashad are here. Matt Michelle, how are you? I'm great. Oh, look at this. Uh, I'm sitting back. I'm enjoying a little Weiser's Manhattan mix. Uh, four of them already. We're interrupting John Rashad. What's going on? Have you had four <laughs> drinks as well? No, I was just going to say 24, also the number of drinks that Matt's had. But I guess he's sticking with four. We're on our way, Rashad. We're on our way. You know what? And I got to tell you, you're my best friend. That's it. You're my best friend. I love you. Well, it is just 30 seconds into the show when he's had four drinks. So at this pace, I think he'll get over I'll be right 24. back, Manny. You tell us uh, what we're going to talk about here. I'll be right back. I thought you were just mentioning 24 to get in the Kiefer Sutherland. Head. I know. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland, if you want to be on the show, um, you know, we, uh, we had you pegged already as uh, as the goalie Scott Ayers for the the Disney movie that they're planning on doing on that guy you know we're trying to get you some more some more work here we miss you if you want to be on the podcast if you know Kiefer Sutherland just let him know anytime Kiefer you want to be on the show with these fellow Canadians these good old Canucks that's right you let us know we'll make the time when that restraining order against Matt finally expires. <laughs> when does that show? expire? 24 months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. How you guys been? Good? Good. Good. How are you guys? Good. Yeah. Everything's good great. up here. Everything's good up there in Markdale? Yep. Just had a nice big plate of spaghetti. I'm a happy guy. Doesn't this guy, much. I tell you, wow, he eats better than anybody I know. He just eats. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put a period after that word. Something's bound to be good. The amount of food he eats. Well, the law of averages says something's <laughs> <laughs> John hasn't met a plate of food he hasn't liked. Yeah, well, the chicken was three out of five. Let's bring on the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's got five pies in front of him, <laughs> ready for dessert. Uh, we had a great week last week with our two shows, including the OT with Brock Otten. Yeah, that was great. A uh, big shout out to everybody who uh, who commented on those shows as well. Uh, it was uh, it was great to see some interaction, and uh, and we put the poll up there. And and I tell you, Manny is uh, is just blowing uh, social media up with all the videos and all that stuff. So uh, make sure you give uh, the uh, podcast FFC a follow on Twitter and Instagram uh, and on Facebook as well, so you can see some of those videos. Be part of the conversation as well want to give a uh, a shout out to a good man a great handle six blooms <laughs> is the the handle on uh, on the twitter uh is is uh profile just talks about uh being a dad and loving bourbon and hockey <laughs> so he's probably going to take my spot at some point in this show and uh, <laughs> we we wish him all the best i wonder if he likes the wiser's manhattan uh, i don't know i don't know like we we'll have to put that out there on social media for sure. Well. If you like the the pre mixed bottles, yeah, 
Great content we got on social media, news, great video content, too, that we're putting out there. So if, you had, if you're not following us, you're listening to us, but not following us on social media, give us a follow. Right, John? Yep, that's right. You can also email us with any feedback you have. Our email address is forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. And I have to tell you guys, uh, we got a ton of feedback this last week, more than any other week, I think. A lot of people were sharing their hot takes, and uh, I'm going to work some of that stuff into rapid fire later in the episode. Good. So, I mean, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about what's happening in the world of sports, and we want to talk about what what you're interested in, what what you're talking about. So, yeah, it's it's like we always talked about. We're sitting at a restaurant or a bar. You pull up a chair and you have a conversation with us. Yeah, you look at the the drunk at the end <laughs> smashing wiser Manhattans <laughs> in the middle of the day. You're like, oh yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. Just watch your girlfriends around John Rashad. Oh, That's geez. all. Especially so, when he wears that uh, that tank top. <laughs> when he starts. Uh, oh no, sorry, the bathroom's that way. <laughs> <laughs> a little bicep curl as yeah, you yeah. point in directions. Oh, it's the worst. We're flexing that bicep yeah. with the with the one finger point. Yeah, Wrigleyville is still a flutter. Anytime you mention them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a lot to talk about other than that tonight <laughs> he has nowhere else to go with it right? got, yeah. nowhere else to go with it well uh i'd argue if i could but a lot to talk about on the yeah. show tonight we could talk about my guns all night <laughs> but, uh, we're covering everything from baseball to football to basketball golf we even have some music in here tonight but uh first let's talk about the nhl trade deadline a lot happened Moronic across mantha scores four goals anthony mantha four the dallas stars three there's a lot of sit in front they score now taylor hall's gonna get his first goal as a saber here and Foleto for the penguin line shoots he scores That last goal was by Nick Foligno, who gets traded from Columbus to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. And the Leafs also added Ben Hutton, goalie David Riddick, Riley Nash. Guys, I know you're not Leaf fans, but how can you not like what they did? Yeah, um, the Leafs are all in, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And they pushed all their poker chips into the middle of the table and they're going all in and even though i don't like the leafs one bit you have to commend what kyle dubas is doing um you know they got a forward a defenseman and a goalie Mm -hmm. they got a forward to play in their top six although felino could play up and down anywhere in the lineup he could be a third line center if they wanted him to be they got a a defenseman if uh, somebody gets hurt on the blue line uh, a, a guy, Hutton, who's not going to rock the boat. He's just going to be the guy who's always smiling mm-hmm. in the room because he's with a first-place club. And you got David Riddick, who's uh, going to be a goaltending uh, emergency. If Freddie Anderson is not healthy enough come mm-hmm. playoff time, it'll be Campbell and Riddick. Or if somebody else gets hurt, you've got goalie insurance there. And, and the one thing that I like about what Kyle Dubas did, guys, is the fact that he didn't give up anyone from his lineup. He yeah. gave he gave away Barbanov, but who the heck is he anyways, yeah. right? Yeah, he gave up a first rounder. He gave up some draft picks 
but he did not give up anyone from their lineup nor their top prospects. Mm. Sandine, Robertson, Lilligren, they're still all Toronto Maple Leafs products. Yeah, and I think that at some point, the general manager has to go all in. And then maybe this is the year and, you know, the first round pick and, and all of that. Uh, maybe this was, uh, you know, Kyle Dubas had made the bold statement uh, that we all know that he was going to get uh, a big gun and he was going to try to do that. And, and, and you know, I think uh, to me, the, the draw of what the, the Maple Leafs have done different than different uh, than, than previous years is the character they've got now was it four or five guys on that roster that have been or captains of previous NHL teams Thornton Tavares Spezza Foligno like they've they've stacked themselves with character guys Nick Foligno is not the sniper he's not the 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 Taylor Hall, who was the the sexy guy to to try to grab at the trade deadline, but Nick Foligno is going to lay it all on the line for you, and you've seen that. And there's there's no questioning his work ethic. There's no questioning the way that he plays as far as a leader uh, and and what he brings to a, a hockey club. So I think they've been very specific with some of those guys that they've got. Another guy that I look at, it didn't work out this year so far, is Wayne Simmons. That's that leadership grinder kind of guy so sure they're not gonna they didn't get an outstanding sniper that's gonna put 20 goals in the net and and you know lead them through the playoffs offensively but they're just building a character team that when when their ass is on the line when we're down to game six and a must win on the on the road they're not going to accept losing and i think that was the the main win that toronto gets out of this deal i i would argue that felino is more valuable than taylor hall and i know we're going to talk about taylor hall here in a minute but what has felino done in the last two playoffs he's led columbus to a massive upset of tampa mm-hmm. bay and columbus beat the leafs last year yep. uh in the crazy postseason that that was so if you can't beat them join him let him come to your team and he can play both ends he he can put the puck in the net uh he can win you face-offs he can be a penalty killer. I don't mm-hmm. know if Taylor Hall can do all those things. So I, I think, I think as a Leafs fan, if you're a Leafs fan, you got to be really happy with what they've done. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Taylor Hall, he gets traded with Curtis Lazar from Buffalo to Boston for a second round pick, Anders Bjork. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to be a Bruin for a few years. Um, it's obviously been a, it's been a bad year for me personally, and um, I, I need to. I need to play well. I need to. Um, I need to contribute, and and most of all, I want to be a part of a team that wins games. And um, I really believe that we can do that here. Yeah, this is you know to me. If you want to define the the Buffalo Sabers season, this is this is it right here. They didn't get anything for no. this deal. They got nothing. Like a second round pick and Anders Bjorg for who was touted as the, you know, they signed and they made the deal to get him. They signed him. They brought him in. There was, you know, it was a big hubbub when, when he went there, they signed the extension and all of that and, and, and deal him right away. Um, you know, I, I don't think they got anything for him. I don't, I'm assuming this is just them not being able to read the market or play the market well and, and trying to, to jump on it and, and get this deal done. I mean, as far as losers are concerned, and I know we'll get to that as well, I think Buffalo might lead the pack, not just for this deal, but just the the entire season that has been the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, and that's a good point. This And listening to the Taylor Hall clip there, and this whole thing smells like 
Taylor Hall forced Buffalo's hand to trade him to Boston. I wonder if Buffalo had better deals on the table from Vegas Mm -hmm. or St. Louis and Taylor Hall, because you heard in that clip say, I want to play for Boston. There was a rumor out in the offseason that he really wanted to go to Boston. Mm -hmm. The Bruins just could not sign him and finish fit him under the cap. So Taylor Hall forces his way Mm -hmm. to go to Boston and therefore Buffalo's got to eat of the worst deal. A ton. Right? They're eating a ton of that contract. Right? So 50% of the contract and you only get a second rounder. That tells me that Taylor Hall basically worked his no trade clause and said no to everybody else Mm -hmm. and yes to Boston and the chaos continues in Buffalo. And the biggest deal of the day was the trade involving the Red Wings and the Washington Capitals. The Wings trade Anthony Mantha to the Capitals for Jakob Verana and Richard Panic and a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year. Matt, you're the Wings fan. What do you think of that move? Well, I was really surprised uh, that that they dealt Anthony Mantha, and Anthony Mantha has always been pushed down here as one of those key pieces that when the the Red Wings rise again, Anthony Mantha is going to be front and center. This is the opposite of the Buffalo scenario for me. I I, I don't know, and and I don't think there there's anybody that would be able to come out with that. I don't think Steve Eiserman made this call. I think he answered this call. And I think he was blown away with a deal, and I think he he took an opportunity. I mean, that's you know that's going to be a, a decent first round pick. It'll be a good second round pick. Um, they're getting Vrana, who's got some outstanding still a skill, a young guy who's same kind of scenario as Manta, and, and and you know obviously like him in that. And Richard Panic's going to bring something to, to the table as well. I I was really surprised it happened. I really like it for the Red Wings, and funny enough, like this is one of those deals that to me I think works best for everybody because Mantha is going to a team now who, and we compared them to Pittsburgh in, in previous episodes. Uh, the time's running out a little bit in Washington. You know, they, they've got to make one more push, one last run. And, and Anthony Mantha is going to bring a big body with a lot of skill that if he's playing with Backstrom or if he's playing with uh, somebody like that, you know, I, I think he's, he's a dangerous player in this league. And I think he's a very good player in this league. So I, I really think this is a, a win-win for everybody. I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I, feel the exact same way. This is a win-win for both hockey clubs. I really like the deal for Detroit. Mm -hmm. But as Grant on social media reached out to me and asked me what I thought of it, I really like Mantha too. Yeah, Uh, I really do because it's tough to score in the NHL. But Anthony Mantha can score. Like yeah. I really wanted the Montreal Canadiens to go after this guy because he could put the puck in the net, and it's very tough to score. But Anthony Mantha scored in his debut with the Capitals on Tuesday mm-hmm. night. Um, he can put the puck in the net. He's been playing number one minutes in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Jacob Verena or Jakob Verena has not. Mm-hmm. So even though he's as maybe as talented as some people say as, as Mantha, he's still got to prove it playing number one minutes because – you're on the number one line, you're playing the other team's best checking line or what have you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I like the deal for Detroit just because of what they got. They got Ponick, um, who was a good third, fourth Mm -hmm. line veteran. Yeah. They need a veteran presence in that young dressing room. They got a first rounder, albeit it might be a late first rounder, and a second rounder next year. Very valuable picks. I think it's great. But from a Washington perspective, not a lot of people are talking about this. Mantha signed till 2024, 5.7 million. You now have cost certainty. Mm-hmm. 
you know what you're going to get and what you have to pay for Mantha. Whereas Verana was a restricted free agent. Yep. And Detroit's now going to have to pay. Great point. Next year. Panic. You throw him into the deal. He's making five and a half million over the next two years. You've now saved that money. Mm-hmm. So now you've got another level of cost certainty. What did it cost you to get that cost certainty? Well, it cost you a first and a second. Yeah. But Washington's got some players that they need to sign coming up here. Uh, and Mantha can put the puck in the net. Mm-hmm. That's why I think from a Capitals perspective, it's also, as you said, a win deal for them as well. Yeah, and I think Anthony Mantha gets a bad rap, and I, I think the difficult part for him and in Detroit, and maybe this is just everybody um, in, that is in this kind of scenario. I mean, Anthony Mantha is is touted as the guy uh, in Detroit right now in some bleak, bleak years. So if he doesn't score forty, he's a disappointment. And and if he you know if he doesn't score every night or if he doesn't lead the team in shots on goal or lead the team in hits or whatever it is you know there's a defenseman philip heronic who's leading the detroit red wings in scoring when a defenseman is leading in scoring <laughs> it's not a great sign right so Manthony had a lot of pressure on him in detroit i don't think he plays with much pressure at all in washington at this point and i think he's gonna go on pp1 right away and i, I think he's gonna be a, an impact player there yeah, I think it's going to be great. Uh, I, I, something Eisman said earlier this year, and it stuck out for me. Something he said was the fact that the rebuild is going to take a little bit longer than they expected. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he thought, well, we just signed Mantha. He's not going to be around when we're good. Might as well trade him when we have some value. Yep. Washington calls him and says, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, and I love the strategy that, that there's at this point for the Red Wings, there's there's nobody that's untouchable. Like that was the guy who I if you were to give me the Red Wings roster and be like, who's the one guy you don't think they'd trade? It was probably Anthony Mantha. But here we go. Maybe Larkins next. All right. We'll take it. Okay. And the Islanders acquired Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the New Jersey Devils for two young forwards, a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. Do you think New York paid too much? So Zajac, to me, is, you know, that guy who's going to win face-offs for you. Um, and funny enough, when Zajac got traded, and Luke Glendening was another trade option out of the Red Wings, um, face-offs got a bad rap uh, for for a couple days from what I was looking at in social media. And, I, and I'm a huge face-off proponent. Um, so Travis Zajac's going to be out there for important face-offs, which is a good thing to have in the uh, in in the major leagues. I'm laughing because we're we're looking at <laughs> footage of uh, Akil Badu yesterday that they're comparing him to Barry Bonds <laughs> in highlight videos right now. Kyle Palmieri is the next Barry Bonds. I can't get enough of it. Uh, again, Kyle Bar- Palmieri has had a bad season in New Jersey. I think he's a uh, talented offensive player. Uh, they needed something to fill the void from losing Anders Lee. Uh, and I think, you know, I, again, I love the fact that Lou Lamorello kind of fleeces the, the Devils on this one. The draft picks are quite a bit for for uh, them to give up uh, as well. But, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think the Islanders make a, a pretty solid move here. 
Yeah, I, I like the move for the Islanders. In fact, I would argue Paul Mary was a better pickup than Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall's got two goals on a bad team. Mm-hmm. The Devils are not that much better, and Paul Mary had eight goals, mm-hmm. and he was struggling, so to be it. Right. I think Travers Zajac is underrated for all those things you said. You need a strong face-off guy to win face-offs mm-hmm. in the opposing end, in your defensive end. The cost being a first-round pick, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think the Islanders, who are in that ultra-competitive division with Washington and Boston and Pittsburgh, uh, they made the first splash, and I think the other teams needed to do something yeah. to compete with them. And I love the move for the Islanders. I think the Islanders are sneaky, sneaky good, and nobody's talking about them, even though they're battling for first with Washington in that division. Absolutely. There were plenty of other moves at the deadline as well. Sam Bennett and Jeff Carter among the players to get traded, and uh, there were too many to get to, really. But uh, let's break it down by winners and losers. Uh, first, who are your winners? Uh, Boston, for me. Um, they get a you know uh, an offensive skill uh, that, you know, uh, as far as offensive talent on that team, you just got a top five offensive player on, on your roster in Taylor Hall and, and really did not have to give up much in, in any way, um, you know, I think they they are a winner for me. Uh, I want to say Detroit and Washington just for uh, for for what they were able to get out of it, um, and and Toronto. I think Toronto made a, a great deal, and and I think Kyle Dubas put his money where his mouth is, and and I was impressed with with what he did. Yeah, I like the Maple Leafs. I think they're a winner. Um, they're all in. And they helped their team and sent a message to the team and the fans that they're all in. Uh, I don't know about Boston. I'm not sold on Taylor Hall. Can he get back to his hard trophy level that was four years ago mm-hmm. now? It's been a while now, and he struggled not only this past year, but the year previous as well. Um, if anything, I like the Boston's move to get Mike Riley from Ottawa yep. because their defense was struggling. Ooh, man. Right? Yeah. So I, I like that move for Boston. So. I guess you would characterize them as a winner. We talked about the wings. We talked about the caps. But a couple other teams I want to mention here. Florida, Mm -hmm. they get Brandon Montour. Yes, he's not Aaron Eckblad, but they they do get a defenseman that they needed. They were going to do, yeah. Right? They get Sam Bennett, hoping that a new change of scenery uh, helps. Well, you go from Calgary to Florida. That better improve your your living quarters and your living situation. And maybe that elevates his game. And they also picked up Gusev. Very cheap for a million mm-hmm. bucks. So I like what Florida did because they're battling Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay's my other winner. They got a depth defenseman in Savard. Yep. They had to give up a first rounder for him, but they needed a defenseman. And they have Kucherov coming back for yeah. the playoffs, who's one of the top 10 scores in the NHL when healthy. Uh-huh. So uh, I still think we need to wor- worry about those playoff teams in Florida because they're going to battle each other in the playoffs at some point. So I pick Florida and Tampa Bay as some of my winners too. And how about losers? Who do you guys think uh, came out on the bottom end of uh, deadline day? Well, I don't like what Edmonton or Winnipeg did. I was going to say Canada. Yeah. (laughs) Canada lost this. Except for Toronto, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like Edmonton got Kulikov. Yes, they needed some blue line help, but they needed to... they needed a Taylor Hall or a Paul mm-hmm. Mary uh, or a Felino for that matter, to, to help Dreisaitl and McDavid and stop wasting their best years. Yeah. And what's Winnipeg doing? Like Winnipeg has shown that they can play with the Leafs. Mm-hmm. 
that they can be a contender in the North Division and skate away with that division and head to the Final Four. But they get Jordy Ben from your Vancouver Canucks, John. I, what are they doing? They needed to make a bigger splash here. And I wonder if Jets fans and Jets players are a little disappointed in management that they didn't pull it off. Yeah, Kevin Sheveldayov in an interview was talking about uh, the trade deadline and and how you uh, the question that was posed to him was if you watch what other teams in your division and, and such are doing on the trade deadline and and his was you know again we we have a plan in place you know the, the the standard answer of a plan in place we're not really overly concerned with others well you should be concerned. You should be concerned because Toronto got a lot better and you didn't do anything. As far as I'm concerned, you you haven't improved your team. You haven't improved your chances. And I've been one who said from the start uh, that uh, Winnipeg in a seven-game playoff, I would take over Toronto. Um, goaltending separates it for me. Um, I think that uh, you can get better goaltending out of Winnipeg than Toronto is going to get barring Jack Campbell staying incredibly hot the way that he has. Um, I like the depth in Winnipeg, but Toronto is that that was a counterpunch from Toronto that you just stood there and stared at. I think it's an incredibly missed opportunity. I think Winnipeg is one of those teams that window is starting to get a little bit smaller and, and shorter and closing a little bit more and not doing this deal. I, I don't think this is uh this is a positive for them at all. We have to talk about your Vancouver Canucks too, John. Uh, your team traded away Adam Gaudet and Jordy Ben and got Matthew Highmore and a sixth round pick. What do you think as a Canucks fan? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they spent six years developing Gaudet and then they trade him away for an undrafted free agent with who knows what he's going to be. It, it drives me crazy. I think Benning was a lot busier than I thought he'd be, but he didn't do anything that made me uh, very happy. Like, we mm-hmm. better not see Godet lighting it up in the playoffs, or they are going to be calling for his head in Vancouver again. Yeah, and I'm glad you make that point. To me, Benning was the busy, one of the busiest guys in the day, but, I mean, he could have been calling his phone company at the same time. Like, <laughs> he, he, wasn't, he was not progressively making this team any better. Somebody uh, said on social media on Twitter that Highmore is basically Gaudet. They're the same player. Mm-hmm. But you've, yeah. to, to your point, John, you've groomed Gaudet only to give him away. I, like, there's something in the fact that you know what you got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So if you're there's trading... loyalty to a franchise and... If and, you're trading him away for the same player, the same type of player, but you don't know what is also yeah. with that same type of player. Exactly. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm uh, biased because I've been watching him for so long, but I think Goddad has more potential than Highmore does. I can't imagine the fan base is very happy in Vancouver with that deadline day. So John is pessimistic so John again is pessimistic. about the Canucks future. <laughs> I tried to avoid using that word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But wouldn't you be though? Like that's a that's a disappointing day. That's yeah. a snoozer of a day. It was a snoozer of a deadline overall until uh, the Mantha deal. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mantha deal really swung everybody into high gear here, and it was funny just the way that it was done because it's a, a struggling team that that 
you know, uh, did a very good job of, of getting uh, what they could. And uh, a team who's, you know, sitting right in the middle of the pack. And, and it's funny, you know, like you go through um, some of the other teams in, in the NHL, like Colorado doesn't do much of anything. You know, some of these other teams that are, are right up there. Yeah. There's no, you know, nobody, nobody really made a splash until all of a sudden Washington, you know, a cannonball into the pool. Uh, we have to mention to your Canucks, 19 games in 30 days to end this season, seven and eight days specifically to end this season. How's that no pessimism? Problem. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> There's no no win. getting a groove. It'll be like baseball where you play every day and you just get in a groove. And the You're going to win 15 of those, Rashad. <laughs> well, I said that earlier this year that they had to sweep Ottawa and go about 700 in the rest of their games at that point. And uh, they had to win like 8 out of 10 to get back to 500. And yeah, it's. I think they're really done now. I'm just going to get Rashad a black shirt with white writing that just says, maybe next year. <laughs> I think that sums up every sports experience that John Rashad has ever had. It's for every single team he has. Everything. Every single Maybe team. next year. I like the Chicago Bulls back in the day. That's the one time I enjoyed. Uh, there you go. <laughs> sure. Bandwagon jumper. <laughs> <laughs> And now it's time for this week's Play of the Week. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I gotta be honest, I have goosebumps. Unbelievable. Oh my God. Brought to you by London Awnings. If you need an awning for your home or your patio, visit London Awnings. Quality that shows. And the play of the week was voted on by you on social media, listeners of this podcast, and you picked a little bit of baseball history. Ground ball to shortstop. Kim will go to first. The San Diego Padres get their first no-hitter in the history of the franchise. And it belongs to San Diego's own Joe Musgrove, sending the Friar faithful into a frenzy. A no-hitter in baseball, the San Diego Padres, the first in Padres history, pitched by Joe Musgrave from San Diego. Very, very cool. And you can't get any better than that. Can no, you? and there's, you know, there's there are many things about baseball that I'll always just find better than than any other sport. And the no hitter, if to me, has become a little bit more common uh, than I want it to be or like it to be, uh, but. You know, when you're going into the ninth inning and everybody's got zeros on the scoreboard, it, it is as much a must-see TV for for sports than anything else you can put up. I flipped it on. Yeah. Yeah. When I was yeah. getting the alerts on my phones that Musgrove is gone six innings yep. without allowing it okay i'm gonna watch it now yep yeah right? for sure and and i've been i've been extremely fortunate in, in my my baseball uh, experience i've i was at mark burley's perfect game in chicago um and then was saw justin verlander's first no hitter in detroit and then was also at a, a game where uh verlander um would have been throwing i guess that at that time would have been his third um, he got his third later on with Houston uh, in Toronto again, um, playing the Angels, and uh, the Angels got a hit uh, with one out in the ninth inning um, that hit the foul line, and the chalk popped up. Oh. It's the most disappointing experience <laughs> leaving a stadium after your team wins than uh, that I've ever seen. But 
No, they are they are an an, um, an unchartered uh, special event in sports. I don't think there is a single sporting event uh, in a singular game that captures what it's like in the eighth or ninth inning of a no hitter. Great call by the fans. And if you want to vote in our play of the week, make sure you look for the plays and poll on our social media accounts. We will post the options, the candidates for the top play of every week, every Monday. Yeah, and you can uh, follow us again, Podcast FFC, on Twitter and Instagram, or on Facebook at for, for Future Considerations. Manny, uh, the social media expert of oh, the Twitter and Instagram and, and Facebook, and uh, the guy just does nothing but send me reels and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these unbelievable videos. Some so of them are great. It is well, it is well worth a follow if you get a chance. And uh, speaking of social media, I mentioned earlier all the comments that we had on our feeds. Most of them had to do with Michael Conforto getting hit by a pitch uh-huh. to walk off a win for the New York Mets. Did you guys? Well, obviously you guys saw that. One two coming, and the slider in there. Strike three. to get out of the way it was a strike but he didn't move and Don Mattingly is going to come out and argue the call with the home plate umpire Ron Culpa the ball hit him and it was going to be a strike yep so the Mets are celebrating the Marlins are arguing what do you guys think should have happened with that call this was such a great debate on social media with the fans and I, I thought it was great um, I, I can't even remember all the names of people. Tyler uh, was on there. Andrew was Andrew on there. Was on Rob, there. Um, Chris, um, Trevor. I, I can't even remember all the guys, but mm. it was a great debate. Like, obviously, he put his arm out there. Yeah. And he should have been called out because it was a perfect strike. But either way, the rule says you cannot put your body into the ball to get Mm -hmm. hit by a pitch Mm -hmm. that rule already exists but the they had to review it because it wasn't the call on the field and then they found out that it wasn't a reviewable play and the win held up So, so baseball got it wrong there i don't know how you have video replay and not allow that play to be reviewable no, and and that's the the point that uh, that I had made in the conversation with Andrew, who has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> that uh, about uh, about replays in general. So his point and the first point that he makes is an incredibly valid one. Be- baseball is a very slow sport. It has a very 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 serious time issue. It is a long ass time with a lot not happening in every game in baseball. Sure. Putting another review in would in lengthen that process, but there is something to the fact of getting this right. Now we saw again a play at home plate that was challenged and reviewed, and somebody watched that video with <laughs> Alec pizza Baum. on their face. Alec, Alec Baum, and yeah. didn't see what happened, and and somehow it Phillies Braves, right? Exactly. It, yeah. Somehow it stood up uh, even after the review, getting it wrong, but. You have to go through that process. Yes, that is something that should be reviewable. If you are doing reviewable plays in baseball, there is nothing that you should not be able to review. Each team gets one, 
right? You, you get it right. You hold that one. You get another one basically is how that works. The, the coaches challenge thing or the later in the game thing. I never understood. I don't know why a, a play in the third inning should be held any more important than a play in the ninth inning if it's the same type of significance. Michael Conforto does that in the third inning. He's still leaning into a pitch and getting hit by strike three. It doesn't matter that, you know, it's emphasized because it's the last out of the game. But you can't do it in the third inning. You can't do it in the ninth inning. So you've got to be able to make this reviewable. It's something you have to be able to take a look at, make whatever change you need to. Baseball's slow pace does not have anything to do with video replay, but he he clearly not even if you can you can watch that video and say he didn't lean in. To me, he didn't get out of the way, and that's the bigger part of it. He didn't turn his body to take it. He didn't step back. He didn't lean back. His elbow goes in, and he he got clipped by strike three. Because it ended the game, it's a bigger deal. But it's absolutely something that should have been reviewable. And it, it doesn't matter to me that that takes a little bit longer because you got to get that something like that right. As a fan, and it doesn't even matter the sport, but as a fan, we just want the p- people to get it right. Yeah. The officials to get it right, whether they're umpires, whether they're referees, what have you. We just want the play to get it right. Mm-hmm or people to get it right, we need some common sense here. Yeah. Even the Mets broadcasters, the home broadcasters, saw that and said he needs to be out. Yeah. So can we just use some common sense, Major League Baseball, have the play reviewable because you have the technology already, and make the call that everybody sees on the field to be correct. The thing that drives me crazy, too, is how some of these fans are saying, well, I don't want to slow down the game even more than it already is. But there's nothing worse to me than sitting there for two and a half or two and three quarter hours. And I've been in this situation a couple of times at Blue Jays games where you get a controversial pitch at the plate to strike somebody out to end the game. The whole building leaves feeling like they got screwed mm-hmm. and you could take five minutes to review that play and get it right. And then everyone leaves a lot happier. I don't know why fans are against getting it right i think the thing with baseball that as a baseball fan i I will admit that i do i think in general we are really overestimating the amount of people that really care what happens at a baseball game i think at football games at hockey games basketball games I think it's a little bit different. I think people that are there are a little more invested. I think at baseball games, it is a social gathering. I don't know why you would want to leave on a beautiful Sunday afternoon at Comerica Park or, you know, it's probably the dome's probably closed in Toronto. So I'm not going to use that as an example on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. But you, I, I feel like the people that want to get it right, that, hey, that should that's a bad call. I feel like in a stadium that might be might be 20 oh, percent and I the rest of the people are having a good time. And I think that's where it comes from. I want the game to, and Rashad, your point is is 100% valid. If I'm going to invest my time in watching a baseball game uh, or anything, uh, you know, if you watch a two and a half hour movie and it's it's dumb, or you watch The Sopranos and it's on for nine seasons and the season just ends with them sitting, staring at each other in a coffee shop, like you ultimately are incredibly disappointed that you invested this much time in it and this is how it ends. But 
baseball is a very slow sport, the reviews are not what is killing the speed of this game. It is the the dumb stuff. It's the stepping off the mound. It's the wiping the ball down again. It's the time in between innings. Yeah, like that's you shouldn't be able to leave the batter's box after you step in. Your that that door is closed. You don't get to get out. Like it's those things that are going to speed this game up. Not reviewing what should be reviewable plays. Yeah, I, I think your number is low at 20%. I, I think it's a lot higher than 50%. I want it to be, and and I've only been told by non-baseball fans that it's it's way lower than that. And so I can kind of see it. Like if you're looking at 40,000 people on a, on a, as I said, on a Sunday afternoon at Comerica Park, you know, it's the middle of July. The game isn't really hinging on anything. Uh, I mean, it gets loud in there for sure, but I, I I don't know that people are as invested as I am watching that game live there. Like if the three of us went with our significant others, it's mm-hmm. 50%. Yeah. Right? So that's why I think it's higher than 20. Like I think it's... I think it's 55, well, you 60, and I 65%. Care. Rashad's at the Little Caesars stand. <laughs> Jill's probably watching the game fairly intently. I, I think people care, and people want to get it right, and I totally agree. It's not the review that's slowing down the play. It's all the other crap, and that's why it's another reason why the league needs to allow review and needs to clamp down on pitching changes and mm-hmm. uh, people stepping out of the box and the pitchers stepping off the mounds and that sort of thing. And do you really need to have the middle of the inning be that long too let's just get it going right and at the risk of uh, getting mad on a tangent here oh boy uh, (laughs) i mean you sat in a game and you ended up being in every newspaper in north america with your sign at the next game yeah um the one of the worst blown calls ever in history yeah at a baseball game Armando Galarraga's perfect game uh, that he threw against Cleveland uh, now before replay. So we do have to make sure that that and and I truly think the play that forced Major League Baseball to put in replay. Yeah, yeah. It had happened several years afterwards that it kind of got instituted. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was uh, I still I cannot watch that review without just being baffled by the call and the the instant reaction and, and that that entire scenario. I, to Do you me, remember like, the umpire's name? Jim Joyce. I'll yeah. never forget. Jim Joyce. Him. I remember. I'll it. never forget him. And, and nobody you know, will ever. Every I, Tigers fan will have his name imprinted in their no, brain for sure. And I I truly feel bad for him. I, I wish he had video replay to be able to go back and correct his mistake. And you know he I uh, he owns it. And, and and you know I thought he. He handled it as, as well as he could. I, uh, Rashad, you're doing it. I've had enough Manhattans in here to, to go off on a tangent. I just can't imagine you being the first base umpire, 26 outs into a perfect game, and it's even remotely close to at first base, and you even consider calling the guy safe yeah. to give away a perfect game. Yeah. You gave it away. Gave it away. You got to ring him up. I don't care if he's already on the grass past <laughs> first base on the play at first. He's out until you can prove that he's not. And on that note, time for rapid fire. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Yep. Are you ready? I'm fired up. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, the CHL announced on Tuesday the cancellation of the Memorial Cup for the second straight year. Guys, what does this mean for any hope of an OHL season at this point? It means there won't be an OHL season, in my opinion. I think it was already difficult for the Ontario Hockey League to get a season in, especially after a 28-day lockdown in Ontario. That was implemented just a week ago. We still have another 20 days of this lockdown to go, whatever it is. And I think the cancellation of the uh, Memorial Cup is just another nail in the coffin for an OHL season. I think this is Jim Joyce's fault because <laughs> how could you call the guy safe on the tw- no? So we had Andrew Parrott on the show, and it was one of the best uh, episodes that we've had on for future considerations. And if you were to to check that out in any of the uh, podcast platforms that you listen to, uh, look for that one. Episode seventeen, the double OT, the first ever double OT double with OT. Andrew Parrott. Yeah. So that was March twenty first, and we were hopeful at yeah. that point. Uh, and and now you know we're looking at we're in middle of April now and we are no closer than we were that day. In fact, I think we're farther away. Yeah. Now the only thing that I would suggest, and this is very remote, and I don't necessarily believe this as I say it, is that there will be some sort of compromise in the best interest of these players and their futures in college in the NHL in the AHL and and what they were hoping to get out of this hockey season that we might play some games to give them the opportunity to showcase their skills. Uh, now at this point looking at it I think a 20 game season or 24 game season is is a stretch. Like I don't know if you do this like a March Madness tournament like you've got 20 teams and you create a bracket somehow from last year's standings and you play one game and you just chop people down and then you know you end up playing how many games to get to uh, a championship. I don't know how you do it. But I I, I don't believe it when I say that the, it's not dead, but I'll say it's not dead at this point for the hopes that these kids can get on the ice. I hope that there is something. I really, really do. And, I just, and for me... I just have trouble seeing. No, and, and for me, end of the day, there has to be a conversation, a true conversation, and I don't know where it comes from, whether it comes from the ministry, whether it comes from the province, whether it comes from David Branch. Why didn't this happen? How could we not figure this out? Oh, yeah, how could like, they not I want to know that... The, the WHL played and they've had to shut down. The Q played and they've had to shut down. We don't have the Memorial Cup. You guys, like your plane didn't get off the runway. It went right into the ocean. So how did you guys not get to this point where everybody else seemed to have been able to? And the league has to take some responsibility there. Absolutely. Not just the province, but the league has to take some responsibility. Did they have their ducks in a row mm-hmm. right, to meet the standard put out by the Ontario government to play in January, to play in February, like the other leagues. Yep, and I hope this doesn't have a long-term hit uh, on the OHL. I think it will. I do too, and I think... You know, I think some players are going to stay in the NCAA or, and not come to the OHL. And, and I think we had this conversation uh, during the World Juniors of, of how close and maybe eclipsing Canada the U.S. is in their talent development, in their under-18 national programs, things like that. I mean, the fact that you couldn't get this off the ground, and Andrew Parrott, after the interview we did with him, was leaving his team that was still playing to come here in hopes of playing, and he is not going to play, all, all things considered. Uh, I think if you are now split in the next couple of years of maybe I'll go to the OHL, maybe I'll look at something else, 
Uh, I think something else is going to win out. Brock Otten said that last week, too. Yes, he did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes, he did in our show last week. I think OT. it's dangerous. I think it's really yeah, dangerous it what the OHL's done. Yeah. And Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters, becoming the first golfer from Japan to win the green jacket. Did you guys watch any of it? I watched a little bit on Thursday, and then I watched some of it on Sunday. Sunday was more of a, um, you know, it was it was done and over with. There wasn't a lot of drama this year in, in any way, and I, I thought after looking at it Friday and looking at the players that were going to miss the cut, I think it lost a lot of lure. The Masters is the Masters, but um, a lot of big names did not make the cut, uh, including DJ and, and all of those other guys. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those moments, again, in 18th green at Augusta, uh, it doesn't matter to me who who wins that. Uh, I don't follow a particular golfer, um, but the 18th at, at, at Augusta is something you've got to see. And I think the the caddy bowing and, and showing his that was nice. That was beautiful. That was a, what a great moment that was. I, I think that's a great takeaway, and I hope that's something that's really reflected on this year in the world of sports. Uh, I, I watched a little bit uh, on day one. Tommy Fleetwood as his ace was a pretty big highlight there. Mm-hmm. Roy McIlroy hitting his dad. Yeah. <laughs> I thought was pretty funny. Um, I was watching the Canadian kid, Connors, making Listowel proud a bit on Sunday. But I found that action on Sunday was pretty boring. I thought it was less dramatic. I was interested to see what the TV numbers were. uh, And they said they were better than the last Masters that was held in November because of the pandemic. But not as good as other Masters tournaments held in April. But this Matsuyama guy, first Japanese golfer. Yeah. He Word is, that yeah. Course. Word is, he's he's going to make a billion with a B <laughs> in endorsements in Japan, in Asia, <laughs> just because he is the first to do it. Like he's written his ticket out. He doesn't yeah. even have to play golf again. Now, I don't have a very experienced palate when it comes to to food. <laughs> I, I stick with the meat and potatoes. I don't know if I'd be going to the Masters dinner next year if he's going to be bringing some of the sushi. Raw fish. Come on, ah, oh, you love the ah, sushi. That ain't for me. I'd be there in a heart for me. Love sushi. Me too. I love sushi too. Yeah. And uh, Canadian basketball star Jamal Murray tore his ACL on Monday. How far do you guys think the Denver Nuggets will be able to get without him? They're done. Five games. Not very far at all. Five really. games. Um, they're they're already in. Uh, Battling for position in the standings with the Clippers and the Lakers. Um, there's also Portland in there battling. Mm-hmm. Plus, the best teams are the Suns and the Jazz. Yeah. So, it's a tough haul. They got the Joker, Jokic. Um, but they don't have much of anything else. They do have some other good pieces, but not star pieces. No. And it's sad because they had won 17 of their last 20 games. They were red hot after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. After picking up um, the star player from Orlando, his name escapes me right now. But um, it's bad news for the Nuggets. It's bad news for Canada basketball, too, because there was a shot that Murray was going to play for Canada in the international tournament, and now he won't. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, right now, as the time of the recording, uh, they're playing the Lakers in the first round. And we saw how that played out last year. And Jabal Murray was the reason that that series lasted as long as it did. Without him, I, I think it's five games max. Gordon was the player that got traded. Thank Aaron you. Aaron Gordon? Yes. 
Finally. And by the way, Alex Rodriguez and his partner want to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves for $1.5 billion, with a B, dollars. <laughs> Are the Timberwolves worth that much? What have they won? One playoff series? Oh, have they been to the playoffs man. once? Once. We got to pool our money and buy a sports franchise. But if that's what it's worth. So he was in, he, he and J-Lo were in on the mess. mess. They've been wanting to buy something for a long time. They're dying here. So the mm-hmm. Mets were purchased by Steve Cohen for 2.4 something. Let's say 2.5. So he's going to go more than halfway there for the Minnesota Timberwolves? They can't be any worse under his ownership when this deal gets done next year. Uh, they might be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I love the Timberwolves rookie, Anthony Edwards, said he hadn't heard of Alex Rodriguez before. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Oh, J-Lo's husband. Never watched baseball before. Oh, my. Do you know what I compare this to? This is like when people from Toronto move into your little small town and buy the nicest house that's worth about $250,000 for six hundred grand in the whole town. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Windsor, I'll tell you that. It's been happening for two years down here. Unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, we have a question from Kiefer. After Julian Edelman announced his retirement from the NFL, do you guys remember this great play from the Super Bowl against Atlanta? Oh, that's a catch. Oh, my God. That's incredible. That's amazing concentration by Julian Edelman to be able to make a play on that. Oh, what a catch that was. That was an amazing catch. One of the all-time great catches of Super Bowl history, for sure. And uh, Kiefer wants to know, is Edelman a Hall of Famer? It's tough for me. It really is. I feel like... So Julian Edelman is is one of the great playoff performers of all time in the NFL. Never made a Pro Bowl. And I think the, the deciding factor for me was there's a lot of people that aren't in that should be before him. So... Like I don't know how long players are on the NFL ballots for the the Hall of Fame. If you have to keep getting a certain percentage to stay in, like you do in Major League Baseball, if you run out of time or whatever it is, he's definitely not on the first ballot. Uh, I I don't know. I'm if he if he's on the fence, I'm going to say no. So I'll say no. I think he gets in, but not on the first ballot. I thought mm. I think you were going to say the same thing I was. Is that? He's got three rings. He's yep. won three Super Bowls. Yep. He's second only to Jerry Rice in playoff production from mm-hmm. a wide receiver's point of view. Yep. And he's been a Super Bowl MVP. So just for that alone, he gets consideration. You're right. He did not have great production in the regular season. Uh-huh. But he's a winner. Yeah. You know, yes, he played on really good Patriots teams, but he was the reason they were good and... And won a Super Bowl on more than one occasion. When it it mattered, he was the man. So maybe I don't see him getting in on the first ballot, but I do see him getting in at some point into the hall. And finally, we lost DMX last Friday, also known as Earl Simmons, at the age of 50 after a heart attack. Uh, What do you guys think is his best song? Well, it's got to be Rough Riders Anthem, doesn't it? You know oh, what? See, I'm, I'm a party up guy. Oh, okay. Okay. Y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Up in here, up in here. 
I got I got nothing on this, guys. I got nothing. <laughs> nothing? You're I was, speechless? I'm looking up stuff as we plan on what we're going to talk about before we, we record the show. I'm looking up songs. Like, I know I've heard X going to give it to you, but I can't yes. even say that out loud without sounding like a complete jackass. <laughs> That's a really jackass. good one, too. So I got I got nothing here. I got no, I got nothing to bring to the table on DMX. Come on, the Rough Riders anthem. I got nothing. Nothing. Stop. Drop. <laughs> I know the song, but I just can't bring myself to do it. John, your song was pretty good too. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Matt. Channel nine five five in Detroit. I I know I know some of the songs. I just I just can't bring myself to to knowing some of the songs. <laughs> do you remember four or five of us in your car in Owen Sound listening to 50 Cent on the way to lunch one time and we're all singing along going this is so awkward <laughs> no no I don't remember all I remember is a friend of ours uh, referring to Sean Paul and uh, and how the only time that they'd heard that song was at the one bar or the one club in Owen Sound, if you want to call it that, and the my club. apartment. So. <laughs> the club. Was it Club Rashad? <laughs> I never, I never got that. in there. I never got in there. <laughs> I'll never forget that. The only place I've ever heard this song is, is in this bar, and that's apartment. <laughs> But we never played DMX. We never played DMX. <laughs> so disappointing. I know. <laughs> and on that note, that's our show for today. A great show. <laughs> I still can't believe you can't drop DMX. I uh, I can't do it. Oh, okay. I can't do it. Maybe by the next show this week. We have the OT coming up. Okay. Just in time for the weekend. All right. That's that's a good plan. Maybe I'll, we'll aim for a little DMX Party? Whatever the hell it's going to be <laughs> for for Friday. What do we got going on on Friday? We're going to play um, the Missing Link. Okay, we're going to play the Missing Link. You got a chance to win a prize, so follow along with us and send us your answer. You can direct message us on our social media, uh, email us as well, and we'll get to all those uh, fun little details. But uh, we're going to give you four athletes. And you have to find the missing link that connects all four of them. Okay. And uh, like Matt said, you can send us your answers at our email address. Or if you want uh, to give us some feedback or suggestions or show ideas or even your own hot takes, if you agree or disagree with us, for future considerations at gmail.com. On Twitter and Instagram, Podcast FFC. Or you can find us on Facebook for future considerations. We also want to thank our sponsors on the show this week, London Awnings, Quality That Shows. And we want to thank Shane Topolovic as well from Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training for all of his love and support. And uh, please stop sending all those shirtless pictures uh, <laughs> to uh, the members of our, our social media panel uh, because they don't like us as much after this. And we are not giving out Shane's number just no shane is the twitter handle you can dm all you want if just not his number <laughs> if we had a website shane would be that uh, black solo outline guy <laughs> who he was like alan allman back on uh, 100.3 you never really saw who he was but man did you want to know do you think he knows dmx <laughs> oh, he would know dmx he would know DMX. dmx has probably worked out with him <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? He uh, came up as one of my uh, suggested people on Instagram this week. 
Shane? Shane? He does workouts for shot. Next time we see you, we, you could look like Matthew McConaughey. That's not that's not a coincidence, John. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Is that uh, next level athletics after dark, or was that the? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, thank you everybody and uh, thanks for listening to for future considerations we'll talk to you next time that was a disgraceful performance in my opinion in my opinion that sucked their mentality's awful their attitude's awful it's been their mo for the last three years tonight i saw and heard one of the most disgusting rudest sick demonstrations in my entire career, probably the worst. It's garbage, and the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.